Who knows what Skynet was? <laughs> it's the AI thing that went mad in the Terminator movies. Welcome to the InState London podcast. This is Matthew Grant. I'm one of the partners at InState London. And this week we have our final recording from our evening of AI and algorithms on the 3rd of June at the Steelyard. Robin Mertens is back in the chair chatting with Nico Berry and Professor Pete McBurney of Norton Rose Fulbright and Wan He from Barnett Waddington. Who'd have thought a conversation about the legal aspects and challenges of using algorithms could turn out to be so much fun? I didn't think I'd ever catch myself saying this, but I personally find the uh, legal and actuarial aspects of algorithms in so far as they relate to insurance and then the AI that comes off that um, fascinating. And I know I know that's why I say it with some circumspection. Uh, and uh, I wanted to have a session on it uh, in, in this because I, I think, you know, if you hear uh, of businesses like Chai, as an insurer, you have to decide whether you can rely on the algorithm and you can have to rely on the sources of information that feed the algorithm and therefore I just want to explore those issues. So, you know, to my far left, Nico Berry, who's partner at Norton... Norton Race Fulbright. Fulbright. Thank you, Robin. I'm Peter McBurney. I'm head of technology consulting at Norton Rose Fulbright. I'm also a professor of computer science at King's College. Professors, hey. So... Uh, and now to my right, Juan Hay, who is uh, an associate at Barnet Waddingham, he's going to give an, an actuarial um, perspective. Uh, Nico, starting with you, uh, if I've got that right, then the whole um, what do I do with this algorithm is um, a great potential future source of fees to, your, <laughs> to you lawyers who frankly don't need any, but um, what do you think? Is it, is it something you're seeing as an area you're seeing people come and talk to you about? Yeah, I, I suppose on, you know, in all seriousness, on, on two fronts. I mean, firstly, we obviously act for, as within our financial institutions group, we act for a lot of the big banks and big insurers. Um, and at a board level and kind of legal counsel level, general counsel level, there's a lot of interest in the ethics considerations, the governance considerations, and understanding how AI is being deployed within their businesses. Um, and, and we're also advising a lot of startups and insurers on the more day-to-day -day aspects like structuring of products, ability to utilize data. Um, interestingly enough, some, some increasing levels of competition law aspects. So, yeah, no, it, it's, you know, in the same way that our business reflects what's going in in our clients, yes, it's likely to be a growth area for us. And are there any circumstances where if you make a bad call from an insurance point of view, you end up with liability. I mean, are there serious legal downsides to taking algorithms uh, that are flawed? I, well, I think, yes, I mean, across a lot of levels, there's the data protection angle. Um, just, just to step back a bit, and I know Peter will speak about this, but I think there's a big importance in AI between defining the difference between an algorithm and artificial intelligence and the difference between something that's deterministic and probabilistic. 
I also think there's a big difference between retail and commercial use cases in insurance, because in one, you've got GDPR issues, particularly around use of AI, and you've also got regulatory issues around treating customers fairly. And the, I think the general requirement for financial services regulators that insurers will need to explain uh, effectively how they come to underwriting and claims decisions. And probabilistic AI probably doesn't sit very neatly with that. Um, One more question for you, and then I'll come to Peter. What, what, what are the regulatory aspects of this? I mean, who? There's, there's probably more than one regulator that you need to keep happy. Well, there's the ICO, which is the Information Commissioner's Office, not an initial coin offering. Um, there's, there's the FCA, you know, the PRA, frankly, in relation to systems and controls for insurers. And do boards actually understand the ethical decision makings of underwriting the governance considerations? The PRA is going to get really interested in that. You hear a lot about the FCA and GDPR, not so much about the PRA. They're tooling up. So I think it's going to be across the board. And if, if, if at big FIs, boards aren't all over the deployment of this technology, they're, they're storing up problems for themselves across their businesses and systemic risk. Brilliant. I'm taking the view that as a professor, you can give the best view of the difference between artificial intelligence and algorithms and their relationship to each other than anybody else in the, in the room. Give, give, us, give us a go. <laughs> thank, you for the, thank you for the opening, Robin. Um, be, before I answer that question, I just want to add to yeah. the regulators, and, and one that is often forgotten. I'm not a lawyer, but I know this. The one that, one that is often forgotten is the Competition and Markets Authority. If you have an AI program that determines what price you should offer your products at, and this happens to be the same AI program that other your competitors are using, you are potentially uh, colluding about price. So just to throw that, that one in. Um, differences between AI and algorithms, depending on who you speak to, but one way to look at this would be to say that algorithms, whether they're written by humans or by machines, because most of our software nowadays is actually written by machine, algorithms are predictable. They don't change once they're finished. Machine learning AI, so AI that uses machine learning or deep learning, is something that inherently can change. The whole point of it is that it doesn't stay fixed. It, it changes. And if it changes, it changes in a way that is not necessarily predictable. So it may be developing, as, it, as you feed it more data, it may be developing quirks or uh, ways of understanding the marketplace that might be useful, or they might well be uh, quirks or ways of understanding the marketplace that could lead you into legal trouble or ethical trouble. So it's, I think it's, it's not so much deterministic versus probabilistic, it's more about whether the, the program is static or whether it continues to learn in use, while in use. Uh, so am I simplifying things if I say that you can do due diligence on an algorithm, but you can't do due diligence on artificial intelligence aspects of it. There, there's still there's still a lot of so the so the answer is yes and no. Uh, there's still a lot of things we don't yet know about how to test and evaluate artificial intelligence programs. The issue of explainability has uh, people have mentioned that already this evening. Uh, the, the question for machine learning and deep learning methods is that those methods don't generally explain what they're doing, or they don't explain them, they don't explain themselves in a way that humans can understand. This is a 
become a big problem in AI, and there's now a sub-discipline called XAI. If you Google that, you'll find it out about it. Explainable AI, AI that can explain itself. Uh, but this is not the first time this has happened in AI. The same problem arose in the 1980s, and we, we developed methods for those particular AI techniques. It's still, it, it's, a, it's a live issue, and it's still one that is a research challenge, I think, is the way to say it. Cutting edge stuff, Intertech London. Um, one, can I turn to you? So, so you, you're an actuary. Somebody comes to you and says, um, uh, "How? How? Tell me whether or not this algorithm is accurate. What, what do you have to do? What's involved in that from your point of view?" So it's uh, it's a question of sort of being able to understand and validate what the algorithm is doing, and it's not an uncommon problem in actuarial work. So if I think about capital modelling actuaries. They are pulling together a whole load of different algorithms to try and come up with a single capital number. And you know, this capital number has a, a large range of possible outcomes. It's the same problem. How do you go through that set of algorithms and work out that the number it's come up with is exactly the same number? And the answer is pretty simple. You run a whole battery of tests against it. You work out um, things like, uh, when, if I think about capital model that we look at, we can run north of 400 tests on it to say, okay, if I change this assumption, what does that do to my outcome? And actually, does that make sense? Because uh, it may well not, and in which case, that's a problem with the algorithm. You may want to look at how uh, the algorithm performs when you look at historical data. Can it predict, uh, based on historical data, what would have happened at that time? Uh, although that's the, the cynic in me that says historical data is no longer quite as predictive of the future as it used to be uh, for various different factors. Um, but at the end of the day, you, you just got to work through the model, understand it, really push it, uh, and see if it's coming up with an answer that you can interpret. Who knows what Skynet was? <laughs> right. This question's for you guys. So. It's the, it's, the, it's the AI thing that went mad in the Terminator movies, okay? So, uh, how do your clients know that they haven't got something that is, I mean, it's not gonna, you know, kind of trying to beat mankind in the, for the future of the Earth, but, but, it, but what happens if, if the AI bit goes wrong? I mean, and can you, what can you do about it? Can you spot symptoms of that? Sure, <clears throat> sure. This is, um, I think, a lot of speakers alluded to. Um, one of the fundamental problems with AI is people don't trust it, much like Skynet. Um, and that's because people don't understand it and we, don't, we fear things we don't understand and we fear things where we don't have a story for what's happening. So what you need to do is make that black box a little bit more transparent. So I'll give you an example. Um, if you think about uh, something like, um, a couple of years ago, Microsoft launched a chatbot on Twitter, Tay. You may have heard this story or you may not. Uh, and within 24 hours from going from a chatbot of going, hi, I want to I learn about the world and, and you know, be the greatest being there is out there in terms of a chatbot, within 24 hours it went to uh, something which even the, uh, uh, some historical dictators might blush in terms of its thoughts around uh, what people should be doing and uh, the vulgarities you're swearing on Twitter. So within 24 hours, Microsoft had to shut that down. But the reality is no one quite understood why it started behaving that way. And so one of the things you've got to think about is if we can sort of relate this back to human intelligence. When you first hire someone into a firm, they're intelligent. Uh, if not, you wouldn't have hired them. But at the same time, they're going to make a decision and you, and you may not necessarily understand why they've made that decision. So you train them, you monitor them. 
Uh, and in some cases, you might make their decision go through another person. Uh, so to, just to validate that, you know, whatever decision they've made, they've made in, uh, with the right information, with the right judgments. And AI is kind of not any different. You need a way of sort of uh, explaining or even illustrating what the AI has gone through, the concept of the explainable AI, uh, which DARPA has sunk a lot of money into trying to, to work out, becomes quite critical. And visualization tools to help uh, the fact that AI is processing millions and millions of decisions, you can't have that being checked by a human. It'll take far too long. Uh, you could have it checked by an AI, but that raises other issues uh, of AI checking an AI. Um, but at the same time, there are tools out there that can sort of synthesize the heart of what the AI is doing, give you an explanation, and if you're kind of happy with that, then you know the AI is doing its thing. Okay, last one. If you're an insurance company and you are shown a product which is based on a deterministic algorithm, what would you as lawyers give as your one single most important piece of advice? Hire us. Um, <laughs> no, I, in all seriousness, I think I would, I just, I would be interested to know if, if the algorithm is one that's deterministic and can be understood or is one that has the potential to be misunderstood and go out of control because I think there's a big difference between the two and if we were acting for an insurance client, underwriting that algorithm and that result, that would be one of the key commercial, let alone legal questions I would be asking. One to you, one minute. For, uh, for an actor who's uh, almost his entire career has been brought up on deterministic, uh, I would quite like to know um, sort of what sort of range around the deterministic, because a points estimate is, is only as good as that number is, but we know there's a lot of variability in the world. I never thought I'd enjoy a conversation with an actor and a bunch of lawyers on algorithms, but I, <laughs> but I have. Thank you very much, all of you. Thanks very much. Thank you. That's it for today, but look out for our next episode coming up shortly. In the meantime, see more of what we're up to at www.instec.london, where you can sign up for our newsletter, get full details of our events for the last two years, and register for our forthcoming events, and a whole lot more. Mm -hmm.